All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What the fucksters? I don't think I've done that one in a while. I don't know. Have I done it? I don't remember. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Welcome to the show. I have to stop amassing stuff. Things keep coming in. Keep coming in. What do I want to tell you? I always forget to uh, promote myself. This weekend, that would be August 23rd and 24th, I will be in Denver at the Comedy Works performing for the good people of Colorado. I uh, What else have I got coming up? I got other things. Go to WTFPod.com and uh, look at the schedule. Also, please check the episode guide to see who's been on and who hasn't been on. You could do that. A lot of great people have been on. And, and if I may, as I've been doing a bit, right out of the gate here, uh, I would recommend getting the WTF app, okay? Just do it. It's a free app. It's the fastest. It's the easiest. It's the, it's the best way to get every episode of WTF. And it's free for all mobile devices. You get the newest episode, plus you get the most recent 50 episodes. Every episode of WTF is free for six months, and then it goes behind a wall... And in order to get a key to that wall, you got to upgrade to the premium app and then you can listen to all 400 plus episodes. But I recommend that you can uh, go to WTF pod and get the hit hit the link to get the app or you can go to whatever preferred app store uh, that you want and get the app. I highly recommend it. And soon I got big plans, man. Soon I'm going to be offering uh, premium only content. I'm not sure what that is. But I think I got it in my head. And I just want to also say to everybody, uh, look, thank you so much for sending me stuff. I like stuff. The guys from Bohemian Guitar sent me this this weird oil can guitar. It's very interesting. Uh, I don't know if it's a toy or a real musical instrument, but it's it's pretty interesting. And it sounds kind of weird. And then the dude over at, at Mars, this guy makes beautiful amplifiers tube amplifiers out of the old tube uh, amp that was within a 35 millimeter projector, I believe, a 16 millimeter projector. These are movie projectors that he salvaged and he builds an amplifier around it and he builds the cabinets and the it's it, it's stunning and it's tight and it looks good. And, you know, I got to thank him at Mars Amplification. Go look at that shit. Thank you for all the, the handwritten letters, the postcards, the, the stuff, the comic books, it all comes in, and I and I enjoy it. Every day is like Christmas over here, and I really love it. I'm sorry I can't acknowledge all of it. Things have gotten a little busier, you know, than it was back in the day when I started this. Busy is good, but I feel bad. But I just want you to know that I appreciate this stuff. I and I never know who my listeners are. I got a postcard from Afghanistan. He says, "Hello, Mark. Finally got to read your book. I've been running since the beginning of April. Finally settled down." here in Bagram, Afghanistan, after all of the training and moving. Uh, glad to have a good iPad to set my mind right in, in my off time. Love WTF Pod and your work. Uh, my internet here is like dial-up circa 1996, so eventually I will be able to download the new podcasts. If not, I'll re-listen to the old ones and catch up when I get back. All the best from a fan in the camouflage dealing with his own shit. Captain Marcus Byrne, and uh, well, thank you, man. I I know you're probably not going to get to listen to this because you can't download it, but uh, glad I'm helping out. And that that is sort of 
you know, I, I know that th- that some of you find me entertaining, but but some of the emails and letters I get, I all I can respond is, you know, I'm I'm happy to help, and and I I am happy to help. It's very it's very gratifying for me to know that that guy relates to me, but also that he's getting some relief, or he's getting some help with his own problems, or he's or he's getting some laughs, or or he's enjoy- it's just, you know, I it's a whole different life than mine, and I had no idea that I'd be speaking to who I speak to, and and when I do, I had no idea today. Today I'm going to be talking to uh, to Maynard James Keenan of Tool. Maynard, here's the deal. I'll be honest with you. I know this dude. Yeah, I I know. I, I have friends who know him. I I know people that love him. He's been a big fan of comedy. Uh, I find him to be a very interesting guy. Uh, I've listened uh, before I talked to him. Before I knew I was going to talk to him, I'd listened to his couple of his records. They rocked. I dug it. But Tool is one of those bands where it's like you're in or you're you're out. And, you know, I was in for a record or two, but, you know, I felt a little at odds because I know that people who love Tool fucking love Tool. They love them. And I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of guy, if I dig a band, and this happens more as I get older than when I was younger, but, like, I remember the first time I heard the Flaming Lips. I had to go out and buy everything by the Flaming Lips. The thermals. I just, I saw the thermals in, uh, where was I, South by Southwest or somewhere, and I was like, who the fuck are these guys? I got to have everything by the thermals. I'm a big, like, I got to have everything by that guy guy. I like one song. I got to have all of it. I almost interviewed Alice Cooper. I went out and bought every Alice Cooper album there is, and then it, and then it fell through. And I, I'm not a big Alice Cooper fan, but now I got all of them. Am I going to listen to all of them? I don't know. But... I always wanted to get into Tool, but I, I felt like the window had closed for me. Whether it was I was too old or I, I missed that stage in my life where Tool was going to be you know, completely relevant to me and up in my head and in my heart all day long, like one needs to be when you are into something. And then like I knew I was going to interview Maynard, and I, and I got respect for the guy. He's out there in the desert. He's making wine. He's making music. He's, he's a fucking impressive cat. He does what the fuck he wants to. He's made some insanely great rock music. He's making nice wine now. He does what he wants, this guy. And he's an interesting cat. And I'd only listened to one or two records. So when I knew I was going to interview him, I went out and I procured everything by tool. And I sat there like an angry teenage boy and I listened to it day and night. I listened to Tool and the other stuff. I listened to it all, man, for a couple of weeks. It was just all Tool all the time. I put it into my head because I wanted to be right. I wanted to look him in the eye and know his shit. But the weird thing is I've done with this uh, uh, at times with a couple of other musical guests. And quite honestly, it doesn't matter. The guy's a guy. He's going to be sitting there. What, are we going to go through every record? Are we going to go record to record? Are we going to go song for song? I'm going to talk to the cat like he's a guy. But I had a head full of fucking tool when I talked to him. Just know that. I will do that occasionally. I will fill my head up with fucking music by the person I'm talking to, even if you can't tell. Now, obviously, and I didn't get, like, I know some of you are thinking, like, well, the John Cale one, you didn't have the new one. I, did, I didn't, but I listened to as much John Cale as I could. I do what I can. I can do that kind of research because I enjoy listening to music and it's really the most And that research is, is so irrelevant to a conversation that it's not even research. It's just like, I want to know the tone of when com- what comes out of this artist, man. I want to know the tone of it. I want to feel it in my heart and in my head. The sad thing is you can't force your heart to take some shit in. Your heart's going to open when it's going to open. 
It's going to open without you knowing it. You can't force it, but you can't fill yourself up with it. And maybe, maybe you'll have that moment. Maybe you have that moment. Sometimes with music, you got to be a little younger for that stuff, especially for stuff that resonates with the emotions of fucking anger. Yeah, look, man, you know, I still listen to ACDC. I got all of them. I've had them all since high school. It's still there. My heart is still wide open and my mind is open to Tool and a couple of songs got into my heart. So uh, let's talk to Manor James Keenan and I hope I do justice for you fucking people that love Tool. We'll see. I enjoyed talking to him. What did you drive up in, man? A smart car. How is that? Uh, it fits in L.A. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you live here? No, I live in Arizona. That's what I thought. Yeah. So whose smart car is that? Mine. I leave it in a garage here. What, what was it, like $12? How much uh, is a smart car? Uh, $12.50. Yeah? Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't feel like you're driving half a car? No, not at all. It's actually, you know, um, I'm used to driving a truck, so it's kind of fun. A truck. I drive a, you know, a Tundra because I work in the vineyard and stuff, so that's that tends to be my vehicle. Well, thanks for that wine. Uh, my guest is Maynard. I never do that either. I never do the... Uh, my guest is... <laughs> Uh, Maynard James Keenan Vinter is that what it a Vinter Vintner Vint, Vinter is it, is it Vinter or Vintner the Vinter of our discontent yes yeah, yeah you find, <laughs> <laughs> you've you've changed know. you were a, a a Vinter of discontent and now you're actually a Vinter <laughs> of wine so tell me like you sent us a wine and I, I personally uh, sadly don't drink but my girlfriend will drink the shit out of wine. And she drank yours, and it's got a little jacked alcohol co- content, that particular one, doesn't that it? That particular one is a little higher than uh, the ones we normally have, yeah. Does that happen naturally? Uh, yeah, it just ends up being uh, whatever the year is, whatever the, the ripeness on that on that block is. that is. how it works? Yeah, I, te- I tend to go for the, the lower alcohol. Uh, we pick uh-huh. generally lower, uh, just because it ends up being more approachable, and you don't have to like suffer the next day. Yeah, yeah. You don't want like, uh, to get into... Uh, your Mad Dog 2020 territory. No, no. <laughs> just sweet fuck you up wines. Yeah, you should put one out for your fans though. That's just you call it that a sweet fuck you up wine. Just call it go fuck yourself Cabernet. <laughs> well, why don't you? <laughs> they would sell that. I don't at Whole think. Food. I don't. You know, you would think because there's yeah. a couple wines like called Bitch and uh, stuff yeah, like yeah. that, and the Death of Elvis, and you know, like that kind of thing. Like you figure, why couldn't I just call a wine go fuck yourself? Yeah, maybe abbreviate it. Yeah. A GFY. <laughs> what does that mean? This is really yeah. good. So wait, when you do wines, now I, I know this is something, you've, yeah, how long have you been doing the wine thing? Uh, I started uh, dabbling around, uh, started broking, broke ground around 2001, 2002. But, so you uh, bought the property? Yeah, well I actually, owned, I was I lived in Arizona. Uh, Already? Uh, in 95, I moved okay. out of here and then uh, lived there and uh, basically broke ground. After looking at the soil there, I kind of went, oh, hey, I think that might be suited for vineyards here. you you decided that yeah i was you know i was there for a while kind of staring at the terrain having been around the world seeing different wine regions and went i think i think we could grow grapes here so i broke ground in 2002 kind of got my uh, feet you know quite yeah. really wet in yeah. 2004 yeah i've been making my own wine since midnight 2009 what just at the house in the tub or oh uh, no in an actual full functioning winery okay <laughs> As an apprentice, kind of. I, I yeah. just pictured sort of a, a meth sort of situation. Just <laughs> yeah. a trailer with some tubs, uh, grape foil, juice. Foil on the window. Yeah, exactly. It's Maynard <laughs> making his wine again. Smoke coming out. Yeah. But you're okay. So you, you apprenticed. Yeah. When did the fascination with this happen? I mean, was it uh, you know in the middle of the tool experience, in the middle of being a, a fucking 
balls to the wall rock star you're like you know i'm gonna take it down a notch and focus well i think the rock the, you know the mis misconception on the rock thing is that that's what i had to set out to do it's yeah. kind of an accident i mean you know, i kind of grew up in a small town i worked in you know peach orchards as a kid in the summer seriously uh yeah to the po population 2000 you know small where'd town you grow up michigan i was born in ohio but i grew up in michigan well yeah i think you i'm not sure if you got lucky or not there uh ohio's like ohio's a little frightening but i guess they're both i, I got out what, what what was that like <laughs> i mean how, how old were you <laughs> what happened man i uh I left around thirteen or so. Uh, went to you, Michigan. Just, you struck out on your own at thirteen? No, no. My yeah. dad, my dad actually the divorce uh, parents. My dad lived in Michigan. He was the is the uh, high school teacher. Oh, so, your dad's a high school teacher. So I went to move. I moved to go live with him because I started getting trouble in Ohio. So yeah, like what? my mom was like, "You got to go live with him because I see I see this not turning out well." So, what were you doing? What was happening? Uh, I just you know starting to get and starting to drink a little beer here and there. Yeah, and, you know, driving around uh, and stealing cars or not quite yet. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in Ohio. Your parents got divorced when you were like eleven or twelve. Uh, three. So it took ten years for that to really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of ferment, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, sort of like for you to really kind of uh, delay fermentation. Yeah, <laughs> age into a, 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 a an angry grape. Yeah, yeah, the angry young Irish Italian kid. Oh, is that where you? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. pretty. Uh, that's passionately dangerous. Yeah, Irish and Italian. Yeah. So when what your uh, so your dad was a teacher uh, since you were your whole life. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he worked in uh, in Ohio as a teacher. Then when the divorce happened, he moved to Michigan to teach up there. Or to get far away from. Uh, I think he just wanted to go more where the woods. You know, he's oh, a really? hunter, fisherman. Oh, yeah. You know, he's kind of a woodsy guy. So, you know, we went up there to he went up there to live because it's a pretty beautiful country up there along Lake Michigan. Yeah, and what was your what was your mom like? Uh, she lived in Ohio and she sold soap. You know, like she was, sold soap. <laughs> you know, like. Uh, not Avon, but like you know that kind of that kind, those Amway, kind of, not Tupperware and not Amway, but some other so, thing that was very similar. To some the, other big idea that didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work. Some pyramid scam that folded. But they got her money on the kit. Yeah. Here's the kit. Yep. Go at it. Definitely get got some the, other people to sell the soap, and you're going to be a millionaire. Yeah, definitely got the money on the kit. And did she get married again? Yeah. How was that guy? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. If bad. you can't say anything good about someone, make sure you say it very well. <laughs> He's a cunt. Yeah, <laughs> really. William, what uh, what brand of cunt? Uh, just creepy cunt. Oh, really? Yeah. Bad shit. Yeah. So that was another reason to get out. It's probably why you just started freaking out, right? Just uh, fucking yeah, off. That was that fuck was that funny. guy. Yeah, we're we're done here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wasn't wasn't old enough to bury bury him in the backyard. So yeah, I figure it's probably time to move on. But where you would have? <laughs> is, is that guy still around? I had no idea. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you talk to your mom though? She passed away. She passed away. Yeah. But the cunt might still walk the earth. He's still, he's still, he's still cunting about. I'm sure. <laughs> so you move up there with your dad, and you're out there working on farms. Yeah, we had our own garden in the summer. You know, working, which of course, as a kid, you hate. But you know, mm -hmm. uh, working in the working in the garden, kind of doing some stuff in the orchards because we were surrounded by orchards, peach and apple orchards. So I worked in the orchards quite a bit. Did Did he see that, or did you see that as sort of a, a rehabilitation? Sort of like you know, was he aware that whatever the hell you were going through there, you needed out? And well, it was a, it was an interesting. Uh, time of my life because that was basically right at the end of junior high going into high school and before i'd moved there uh his house wasn't properly grounded and they got like hit by lightning and it blew up their tv yeah so i spent all of high school with no tv they didn't replace it for, no, for four like, years he's like you know what let's just leave it alone but you know we'll go do other things so i got yeah. an, 
That's smart. He was a wrestling coach. I got into cross country and wrestling, and we, you know, fishing and and uh, working in the garden and stuff like that. So I got more into my into my head, like writing and doing that kind of thing. Better than jail. Yeah. Better so. than sitting there writing your brain out on television. Yeah. So I stopped. I didn't drink that whole. As soon as I moved there, like that, in, in that tendency to go out with your buddies in yeah. high school and drink, I couldn't yeah. really do that because he's a teacher at the high school. He's the wrestling <laughs> coach. Like you're busted. No matter what, you're going to get busted. <laughs> no so, winning. So I just didn't do it. So you just hunkered down. Yeah. Like what time? Like where? What kind of kid were you? I mean, what kind of stuff were you writing? Was it sort of like uh, the awful poetry? So awful limericks and stuff. Oh, just know? limericks. Yeah. There, there was no. You didn't like. You can't look back at that stuff and see the seeds of the the tool lyrics that changed the minds of many people that age. God, I, no. <laughs> they're like they're just like really. Uh, yeah. You put <laughs> you, <laughs> just rhymes. You put the uh, you put those on a piece of paper, did you? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So you start working in the vineyards and you start doing outdoor shit and you wrestled and. Uh, when did uh, what kind of like what kind of kid were you? Who were your uh, what kind of music were you doing? What kind of car were you driving? Didn't have a car at all till after the military. Really, I didn't drive at all in high school. I ran everywhere. I was a cross country kid. God damn, an athlete. Yeah, that's good, man. I like the like the weird athletes. Yeah, like yeah. not the not the jock like right, football right. team, basketball team, the baseball loner. team. I was like, yeah, we were like, you know, with wrestling, you're on your own. You're right. on the mat. You're right. It's you against some other dude who wants to rip your head off. Right. And then in cross country, you're running from guys who you know yeah. are also running from you. <laughs> you're kind of being chased. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chasing and chased. That's a that's a fucking solitary game that 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 long distance thing. But it must feel great. I mean, you're yeah. like, how long did you have to run? Like, what was a long distance race? I don't know. Uh, in high school, it was like just over three miles. Oh, okay. Uh, so you know, so it was a, it was a good, it was a good solid race. I wish I had done that. Yeah, I never yeah. did. Any I, in college, it was like five or six mile. Races. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And you stayed with it. Yeah, a little bit. So who were the? Were you listening to music? Did it have any influence on your life? Were you thinking at that time? Like you know this makes me feel better or anything yeah i think so i mean you know there's always those little seeds of things that pop up when i look when i look back yeah actually i was i was because i was going to come to see you and i want i had a bunch of questions for you because just the you know the the comedy background i started i'm in the process of writing a a biography with a friend of mine uh she's kind of handling this it's kind of a semi-autobiography you're right she's writing your biography with your help yeah so we're we're (laughs) basically like you know tag teaming on like every time something comes up i go oh Let's yeah. let's just look, see how far we can go with this. Where I've been interviewing old friends who are also influenced by people in our lives. Sure, so sure. we're basically talking about the people that were influencing us. Okay. Uh, what do you got? Individuals and stuff like that. But then, just you know, talking to you, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go back to the people that I didn't meet, but I was influenced by, which right. are like, you know, early comedy records. I'm right. trying to think of like what was the first comedy record I had or saw. Uh-huh. So I was going to ask you that because, of course, you got into you know you eventually got into to comedy it's like what was it that, uh, in your early age that you have like an album that i really a, remember a show that you saw i remember watching comics on talk shows during the day like after school like merv griffin and stuff right. and uh and also i remember um my grandmother used to love comics so did my grandfather so i had i sort of enjoyed like seeing older guys like i remember the dean martin roast and stuff but uh, like Buddy Hackett and, and Don right. Rickles and those guys, I thought you know right. they were hilarious. And then I think the first kind of more radical stuff I got, it must have been in seven. I must have been like ten or eleven. I somehow managed to you know I had Carlin's Class Clown. I had uh, I had Cheech and Chong records. That's right, what I, that's what I was waiting for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a couple of them. I I remember you know class class. <laughs> 
Yeah. Dave's not here, man. Uh, <laughs> I remember like... Um, it's raining gas on dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what was that riff? They did that whole... I think I might have had that earlier. The the it looks like dog shit, tastes like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah must be dog shit, that old joke. But, uh, but they did a riff on that. Yeah. I think I, I remember having the wedding album, Big Bamboo... Uh, Los Chochinos or what? I, mean, I don't remember mm-hmm. which one was that. Um, but I had a couple of Carlin records. I remember getting Richard Pryor. Uh, I don't remember which Richard Pryor and Steve Martin's records when they came out. Yeah. I remember seeing Steve Martin on his first tour. Right. Uh, and then, you know, I, I, you know, once I, I got a little older and things got a little darker, when I started smoking cigarettes and all my heroes became drug addicts, you know, things started to shift and I had to understand different things. But those were the first ones. Why? Which ones did you have? Same. Same one? Yeah, same. That, that was like, I remember sitting out on, a friend of mine had one of those like battery-operated little turntables. Yeah, yeah. That would close up into and, a suitcase? You know, because we weren't allowed to listen to that Cheech and Chong record. Right. Or the, the two Steve Martin records. That right. Was, that was like... Those the, were racy? Steve Martin? Well, you know, yeah. you know, it's like, that cat was the best fuck I ever had. You know, like that, you know, in a Christian you know, <laughs> yeah. Baptist household, yeah, that was not good. You grew up yeah. with a lot of religion? Baptists. Like Ohio, uh, hardcore Ohio Baptist. I don't know what that means, but I just said it like yeah. it was a specific a, type of Baptist. A Bible in one hand and a machine gun in the other, ready to go uh, annihilate. So for the Michigan first, was less so that that was not not now. I mean, there you know, but it's. A, I think you're right though. I think there's a little bit of a different flavor. There's more of a the nuge flavor, which is less about religion in Michigan, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. more just about like I want to kill things and brown people are scary, you know. <laughs> yeah, I lived around a lot of those people. But most of the people that like think that way, I met in Ohio, not in Michigan. Right. Most of the people around me in Michigan were everybody. You know, everybody's like grabbing a shovel to shovel the snow. It doesn't matter, you know, where you came from. So the Ohio thing till you're about 13, you had that. You had the Jesus shoved in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Hard. Every hole. Yeah. <laughs> Every hole. Jesus went in. You're gang raped by Jesus. Yeah. It just, yeah. And how? What did I was? It was a. It was a Maynard sandwich. Oh God. With Jesus bread. <laughs> what? What kind of a what was your reaction to that at the time? I mean, did you just, you know, lock into step with that shit or what? Yeah, not just a lot of things that kind of went into it not making a lot of sense, like, you know, because I'm kind of a logical person and, yeah. a, and, a, and a fairly reasonable person. Yeah. And it didn't really, uh, some of it didn't, like, didn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, things, I saw a lot of holes in people's behavior. Like, you say this thing, but you're doing this thing. Like like the stepdad? Yeah. Just yeah. like, just none of this makes sense. Yeah, yeah. How is, how are you give, telling me this and you're doing that? Yeah. Yeah. And when you got to uh, when you got to Michigan, was that loosened? Yeah, because you're you're too busy doing things. You're too busy. You know, we lived in a in a house that was a quarter mile away from the main road. Yeah. And that main road was dirt. Right. They got to the paved road. So yeah. when we were going to go to work or you know, yeah. go to school, we were up at 5 a.m. with the snowblower and the shovel yeah. making our way out. Practical things. Practical. We, when, you're, we, when you're doing the practical we things. Need food. <laughs> yeah. Practical. Yeah. When you're doing that, when you're having to cut wood, uh, build the, you know, the wood stove. Yeah. Uh, did you hunt? House. I didn't really hunt. My dad did. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but for winter, we had venison on the table because you, know, you go out the first day of bow season, first day of rifle season, and get you know one, two deer for the summer or for the winter uh-huh. like, and dress it and that's what we had for the winter was the di- venison see I, that, that always fascinates me because I didn't grow up with any of that my dad had a few guns but not for the right reasons I'm not sure why he had them but you know he was because <laughs> you never know the, well it's, it was either going to go against him or somebody coming in the house it right. was never clear but uh, <laughs> it could have gone either way someday get out or I'll kill me uh, but 
But I, I've always, you know, I've, I've known people that uh, grew up around hunting and just uh, I've seen some of it. But, I mean, did, were you like, uh, you know, sitting there watching your dad take apart this deer? Yeah, it was a very fascinating process. And, and I, I, I have never actually killed an animal mm-hmm. myself to prepare it for that other than like a fish, you know, a fishing. Uh, so I feel a little hypocritical eating meat a little bit. But, you know, Do you it's ever, just the society we live in. You kind of that's part of your thing. But I, you know. I have, dr- I have dressed animals. What is you, you mean them. taking the skin off and gutted uh, them? No, I just put little dresses on them, like hats <laughs> that's, well, and that's stuff. That's a nice and, thing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> look, at the, look, yeah. at the, look at the little doggy in the Now sweater. let's eat you. Yeah. Yeah, now I'm going to eat you. <laughs> but you've helped, you've, you've pulled the things yeah. out and said, what's this? Yeah. I got these. Well, this stick to the wall. Yeah. <laughs> what do we do with these? <laughs> Did, was your dad the kind of dude that's sort of like, we got to... We got to dry some. We're going to cure some. We're going to freeze some. We're going to cook we, some. We mostly, gonna... we mostly uh, just froze it. Yeah, yeah. No, no jerky. No jerky. There's no jerky in the past. Quite a few jerkies in our neighborhood, but no, <laughs> no jerky in the cupboard. So, what kind of music were you listening to, though? Back then, uh, yeah, I had early stuff. I had a, a kind of a hippie aunt who caught me into like Joni Mitchell and stuff like that. But really? of course, I was the guy. I who can hear got... that in the Tool records. I went... There's a lot of Joni Mitchell there. Yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I was re-listening to some, and I'm like, wow, I never noticed it before, but this is a lot like Joni Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, you know, that and Steve Martin's, uh, Steve Martin Brothers album. With the yeah, there's a lot of Steve Martin side. in there, yeah. too. Yeah, just a lot of lighthearted, kind of goofy <laughs> shit in those two albums. And God bless them. Yeah, but so Joni Mitchell, that's the first one that comes well, when, out. Whenever we, you know, record vocals, I always have, like, a room full of people just hold hands while I do the vocals. And <laughs> Flowers just, yeah. everywhere? Yeah, it's oh, yeah. Incest burning? Yeah. Oh, man. But, okay, so Joni Mitchell, what else did the hippie aunt deliver? Uh... Well, that was the other thing. She like went not only that, but she also gave me like Black Sabbath, you know. Right. Black Sabbath. Sure. The first know? one. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that'll like, do it. That's how she balanced it out. It's yeah, like yeah. here's some melody, here's yeah. a person who's writing from the heart, doing yeah. her own producing yeah. and writing and engineering yeah. and all yeah. that. But then here's the here's the stuff you're really gonna want to yeah, listen yeah. to. This is stuff that comes from somewhere else. Yes. It's your job to figure it out. Chase this devil down. But I think the first albums that I actually bought with my own money, as you know, there's a couple, but uh the Steve Martin album was with like the second album I ever purchased with like with allowance. The first one with Happy Feet on it. Yep. Yeah. And before that, I think it was like a, a Jackson Five album. But sure. Then all of a sudden, like you know, when I could actually slip slip out and grab the record, it was like you know the Steve Martin one. The comedy but I, stuff. Yeah, but I ended up. Uh, I saw like it was weird. I'm like looking, thinking back, like what comedians did I see at all as a, as growing up? And I don't really, I didn't see a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I saw three times from the time I was getting out of junior high all the way to graduation yeah. I, saw, I saw Red Skelton three times was that his region In, I guess Michigan yeah uh, I mean because he's a midwestern guy yeah so I saw I, him uh, three times I saw Red with Skelton with your dad or yeah yeah. Your dad would take you to see Red Skelton do his clown. He was a clown. Yeah, he did a clown thing mostly, yeah. right? Yeah. A he lot of like the... a lot of theatrical, like you know, yeah, sketch like stuff. He, and then he would do his face. Yeah, like, didn't he? Was it the Happy Hobo or something? He had some character. Yeah, he did something like that. I remember really vague TV memories of the Red Skelton show. How old are you? Uh, I'm forty. I'll be forty nine next month. So I'm forty nine too. But I remember black and white. Like, you know, it must have been the late 60s, yeah. right? Or, yeah. Like, we were real little, but he had a show on TV, mm-hmm. and you kind of liked him because he was, I don't know if he was a bad guy, right? Is he one of the bad guys? No, I, think, just, he was, uh, I think he was a good guy. I think, right. you know, because when I, you know, just watching him, you know, I was always, I was already into other comedy by then when I was actually seeing him live. So it was like a nice, it's almost like a little flashback to go, oh, a lot of the guys that I'm into, I bet they were into him 
a well, long time ago. There had to be some sort of yeah. legacy. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think I went to see, uh, I know I saw the Steve Martin concert. And I know that I saw George Carlin at the Kiva Auditorium, but I think I was already in like fourth or fifth grade mm. when I saw Carlin. And then in terms of like other big name comedy acts, I don't remember going to see any more as a kid. Did you? No, I didn't see anything. You know, uh, after that, yeah, no. Yeah, I, I uh, but I loved comedy. What did comedy do for you? Like, were you still like, I mean, how dark were you? I mean, was it? I mean, you know, as soon as, as, soon as I saw... Like any a Monty Python episode or like Woody Allen's yeah. Sleeper, I was right. like, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is this is this is what I was waiting for. Right, was this kind of stuff. Right, I didn't know it yeah. at the time. And like when you know the first time I saw that first season of Kids in the Hall on HBO was like, this is genius. And all my friends like standing around looking at me like, what are you <laughs> seeing that we're not seeing? <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, were, like what kind of friends were they? Were they like uh... I guess boring, like uh, <laughs> dead. They were dead. <laughs> dead and blind. Did not connect. Yeah. So, because I know you have a you have sort of a, a history with the comedy community, we'll, we'll get to that. I want to get through. A, let's get through Tool. All right. <laughs> get, you know, let's get up to speed. So, okay. So you're running a lot. You're running from things. You're you're wrestling people on mats. You're helping your dad gut animals. Uh, occasionally listening to Joni Mitchell records and tossing in some Black Sabbath and Steve Martin's there when you need him right. and uh, somehow or another you've been dragged to Red Skeleton three times in your life by your father but I imagine that was a bonding thing and you had a nice time yeah, absolutely yeah alright so then like at some point you're like well this is not going to be the life for me forever what was that when, what was that was that when you joined the the forces yeah saw you know was, wasn't sure what I was going to do out of after high school, high school. yeah but my dad definitely said, when you graduate, here's the deal. Yeah. You're you're paying rent for your room or you're cutting wood for your room or you're getting a job and getting the hell out of here. Uh-huh. I went, I don't even know. I don't even understand the words you're using right now. I don't know. What are those? <laughs> what language are you well, speaking? All three options seem really shitty. Yeah. I don't <laughs> like, can we, is there a fourth option? <laughs> Where I can just continue doing what I did in high school? Is, it, is that on the list? <laughs> I didn't see it anywhere on the list. So I, you know, I basically cut wood for the summer, but I ended up. You know, I saw Stripes, and that pretty much set the hook. Like, oh, this can't, it can't be that bad. I can go hang out with Bill Murray. Yeah, again, comedy set the pace. Yeah. You're like, if that's what the military is, I like yeah. that you believe that as a real representation of the possibilities in the military. Yeah, well, because you also had the the Army College Fund, which is going to help you get through. You know, you can save up money, you put money in, and you get, you know. Yeah, it's a roll of the dice. If you don't get somewhere, sent somewhere and killed, right, right. <laughs> you, right. you could get that college paid for. If you, if you just go in and just basically dodge bullets they, they kind of come at you pretty quickly so you have to dodge pretty quickly <laughs> if you can get out of the way of this lead flying at you yeah. we'll give you up to and including five thousand dollars toward uh college well, that's a it was big... 20 it was 20 grand but i'm exaggerating right but, right yeah, right it was like here we'll give you fifty dollars cash yeah, yeah. money and you can have it up front if you to want dodge, to dodge this bullet but so you entered what 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 force uh army and you went in just as a private, or how's that? Private, and then uh, I took some tests, and they realized that I was one of those lazy underachievers, and they quickly got me into the West Point Prep School over in Jersey. Really? Yes, yeah, so I ended up going, getting my appointment to West Point, and then declining it last minute to go to art school. Dumbass. Wow. I could, I could be like... Could have been a general. I could be killing lots of people right now. Sure, yeah, from your desk, from my desk, without even getting dirty. <laughs> they got them. They got the technology now. I could watch it on video. Oh go, God, man! I yeah. am all powerful. You would have been a, a quite a different. I, I doubt you would have added Maynard to your name. No, you, you would have just been General James Keenan. Yeah, because who's going to take a general named Maynard seriously? Seriously, no, no, generals are not Maynards. 
<laughs> maybe Myron. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe. I don't. I don't know. Maybe, general I, Myron. General Myron. <laughs> yeah, that's a Jerry Lewis general. Myron, a lady. <laughs> Salute. But uh, all right. So, so in school, you didn't. You didn't do that well. Were you still no, fighting? I, just was, uh, I think what it was is Your dad because was a teacher. I was, How the but fuck? he was, but I was coming from Ohio to Michigan. So the scores that my dad saw on my tests, yeah, coming from Ohio, where I was not inspired at all. Those were Baptist and not, scores and not pushed. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, they weren't great. I just, but I wasn't being challenged. So right. he he just assumed that I was a slower learner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they put me in like the lowest level math class right. in high school right. which i'm just sleeping through because it's like you know it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. watching snails move yeah 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 uh but as soon as i got into as soon as i got into the prep school for west point they're hitting you with it's like a year of preparatory before west point and they're hitting you with within you know um, a month and a half you're being hit with all of your textbooks from your freshman year right like all the way through these books right and then the next and the next six weeks is like your sophomore year all the way through just jamming every level of algebra calculus all that stuff down your throat like yeah and i was like oh i was firing it now now it's yeah. like now it's a challenge and i'm rising and to, you wanted to, to win occasion. i wanted to win yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah but it, was, it made sense to me because you're you're building on things every day you're, there's a new piece of information uh-huh. that made sense to the next step okay uh-huh. now i see a pattern here but like when you give me like one piece of that information every four weeks yeah I'm sleeping through this. Sure, sure. Screw and that's a, that's a public school education right yeah. there. So, you know, so my dad, you know, after getting into high school and I was getting going, he went, oh, you're not dumb. Yeah. But so by the time I graduated- You were just hiding. School, I was just hiding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just taking a nap. Yeah, biding your time yeah. for the big uh, for the big win. So you were in for how long? Uh, three years. So, okay. So it came three right Three years active, to- three years inactive. Oh, really? Yeah. What does that mean? So you Six go- years total. So if, if for anything happened major- and that second six, uh, that second, second three. three years, they would have they would have shipped me so out. So even when you said I'm not going to West Point, you were inactive on duty. Yep. Yeah. They they basically sent me back to Fort Hood after I declined that appointment. I was in Fort Hood for about a year. Did and they half. guilt you? Did they bust your balls? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, definitely. So they had uh, they had brass pull you into their office and say, you know, you're throwing something away here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you're really like, doing? Yeah. I'm do- I'm making the right choice. Is what I'm doing. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you're a disappointment to the I'm country. So well adjusted now. I'm so glad I made that choice. <laughs> but were you a smart? Did you ever cause any trouble though in the in the military? Uh, no, not really. I had a, I had a good time. Kind of. I mean, the weird thing about the military is that, uh, especially in the army at that time, uh, you're kind of coasting in a way. You realize when you're looking at those things now that you know, like look back. There yeah. Were, there were things that they were training us for that we weren't about to do for another ten, fifteen years. Oh, you, but they were training us for them then. Like what? Uh, desert training. Oh, really? I mean, you know, we're talking about you know only a few years out of Vietnam, and we weren't doing any kind of like swamp training. It was all desert training back in 1984. Oh, really? 82. So they were done with the with swamps. Yeah, we were and we rice were, paddies. We were yeah, we were we were desert training in 1979, 80. So they knew that, and then they they knew where they were going. Really? Yeah. That's and did you realize that in retrospect? I mean, retrospect, like, absolutely. As soon as I saw us going into the into the Gulf War, I would have been a I would have been a lieutenant, a uh-huh. motor bar lieutenant uh, for the first Gulf War of version one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Eighty. That, what was that? That was ninety. Ninety. Yeah. Yeah. And you were you were out. You're already out. Like already a, out. Yeah. Way out. Right. How? When did you get out? Eighty-five. So eighty-eight was my se- end of sentence. So sort of under the, just under, just the, under the radar. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. So all right. So th- 
you, you turned down West Point and, and what made you decide to go to art school? I mean, what was, you know, I mean, what I'd always kind of been that guy. If you look back on like when you were a kid, like you had that weird little aptitude booklets that they have you fill out when yeah. you're in kindergarten and all that. Yeah. I always if you look at the back page, it's like, what do you want to be? Yeah. And I don't, and I always had on there artist and soldier. Artist. I checked, I checked too. I don't know why. I think, yeah. uh, I think I've never heard that as a title, but I think it's a good title for something, an artist soldier. It's sort of a frightening idea. Martial art. Sure. So, okay, so you uh, so you did the soldier thing, so mm -hmm. now you're like, i got to check that other one off. Artist. <laughs> this was a <laughs> kindergarten dream? Yep. I'm not going to sell that kid out. I'm painting, goddammit. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'm painting. <laughs> so what did you study in art school? Uh, sculpture, uh, printmaking. Sculpture? Yeah. Did you do some sculptures? No. I chased a lot of other Art students. Girls? Maybe. Yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm married now. So yeah. no. No, I just yeah. like, I just it's did okay, art. okay, man. You can't, the past is the past, the right? The past is the past. You know, you say that, but they will hold you responsible for that past. Absolutely. If you go into it. Yeah. No, I just painted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no sculpture, just painting. So it was, yeah. it was actually visual arts that you did? Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was kind of, as it turns out, the one I went to, uh, I went to one in Michigan. Uh, just because I figured I'd be closer, at least be able to visit my dad during uh, during the school. Um, but it turns out it was more of a design, you know, uh, computer-aided design and design and uh, advertising design sure. kind of school. So there's a small, like, rebellious little fine art section in that school, and I was part of that uh -huh. rebel, rebel rebel team. And what were you painting? What were, what were your particular I was doing rebellious more like activities? My, my biggest thing I was doing was printmaking. I really enjoyed like laying out uh, using copper plates and doing yeah, yeah, like, yeah. all the etching and stuff. Really uh -huh. lot of, just, I, li I like the process. I like right. the idea of like you know taking this blank piece of copper, coming up with some kind of image, and then somehow figuring out a way to get this on paper right. with all these things that could go wrong in the process. The chemicals where yeah, you had to, to lift stuff. this thing out, those yeah. plates, and you had to do two colors, so you yeah. had to line them up. Mm -hmm. Were you doing art prints? Or were you, mm -hmm. or, yeah, like posters or anything no just real nice pieces of like small uh handmade paper that you do the you know like oh yeah on yeah italio uh printing and 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 that it, where are those uh, i have them in a drawer somewhere i didn't you know i did you know several. hey man when the shit hits the fan right. i see an art show there's some <laughs> high price shit the early prints maybe i can get in uh wherever you know, paul stanley's showing his crap Oh boy, lucky you! Okay, That'd be, <laughs> <laughs> what does he show? Just different pictures of uh, animals yeah, and uh, photos of wigs. Or yeah, something. yeah. I don't know. All right, so you're doing that. You're digging that, and then you know, like, uh, where, when did you give yourself the name Maynard? Uh, just after high school. Yeah, like it was. was that, where, where it was some of the some of that crap poetry I was writing. Like, had a a, a, a character in it that had it was a Maynard character. Uh huh. And then in the army. When I was at West Point running a lot, I was running, you know, miles and miles uh, a day and I started losing a lot of weight and I started kind of looking like the character that I'd drawn for that poetry. Yeah. Uh, and people, my friends were starting, starting to call me Maynard. And that just stuck. And it was kind of a nickname for a moment. Then when I moved, it's weird. When you move to a new place, yeah. you you have a blank slate. Right. You can just be whoever you want because sure. I don't know you. Right. So I just introduced myself as Maynard. And just... Just to see if it would stick. Yeah. To see if anybody would go like... Why would anyone call themselves Maynard? I call right. bullshit. Well, I mean, there's got to be a few Maynards, and you know, mm -hmm. I mean, if there's going to be a Maynard anywhere, it's going to be in the army. True. <laughs> you're, you're probably one of many Maynards. You didn't, yeah. You didn't meet any other Maynards? No, no, I didn't come across any Myrons. Uh, 
There's morons, no morons, yeah, maybe. Got a couple of those. But like, so all this running, I mean, you know, did you ever like get a sense that you were just kind of like medicating yourself? I oh, mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, like when you were not running, were you filled with rage? Were there unresolved shit? What um, the- are we not Irish? Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, but you know, you seem to, you know, you didn't, it doesn't sound like you, you kicked too many asses or got yourself in too much trouble. You just kept running. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, you know. Because <laughs> that's, that'll like, that's a real kind of brain changer. Yeah. And you were running every day. Yeah. Did you ever, did, can you kind of check where, when you stopped running, that you started to create more? Oh, yeah. <laughs> when oh, yeah. did that happen? I moved to, uh, when I went to art school in Michigan, I, I just kind of stopped running there because I'd broken my ankle in the army at some point. So I kind of put a skip doing on, what? Just messing around, you know, like you know, slipping on a on a on a uh, linoleum floor. Oh, really? Kind of cracked Do they get? Is there a medal for that? Do you have a? No, there's no uh, there's no medal for the slipping on a linoleum. The floor. medal attached to the mop that you end up getting handed <laughs> when you can't go out in the field. There yeah. you go, dummy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here's what happens when you mess up yeah. and you hurt your ankle. We put you to work harder because yeah. you're a dummy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because we can't yeah. use you now for anything but cleaning. Yeah. You've damaged government property, sir. <laughs> That's it. So okay, so you get back to Michigan. You're not running, and you're starting to be an artist, and and shit's starting to seethe up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I ended up, I ended up dropping out of the art school because I got so involved in kind of making music uh, with friends. I was, you know, just kind of in that scene. What was that? Uh, what is that? Punk rock? Off. punk rock. Yeah, punk rock ish. Yeah, like the art somewhere, music somewhere before, between Black Flag, Metallica, and Plasmatics. You know, right. something in there. So there's a show to it. And Joni Mitchell. And sure, Joni. little Joni Mitchell. <laughs> Did you do any Joni Mitchell covers? You like to do covers. Yeah. <laughs> when, when's the uh, the the Pussifer Joni Mitchell cover? Uh, when hell freezes over. <laughs> I've already got enough shit for doing covers. So. <laughs> for the Tori Ant, what'd you do it? Did you do it? I've done a it? bunch of covers, and I just, that's like, I just get, I'm having, having fun, and just do it like. Well, ah. that's what I said. Yeah. I, I like when I heard uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm like, it's like that's a that's it's a challenge. Yeah, and it's a fun. You know, let's see if we can do that. Yeah, like set it up. Let's do it. You get you get shit for doing covers. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't imagine that the, the never type mind. Of, you know, never mind that my catalog as it stands as originals is larger than most people's, but you know. Yeah, I, give well, me shit about doing covers on top of all the other stuff. Thank well, you, you know, I I can't imagine you know what the Tool Army looks like and what it has evolved into. I can't <laughs> imagine what type of grownups you helped create. Well, you know that post you always see like that's like the, the Neanderthal guy kind of right, finally stands upright. <laughs> yeah, that should be a, just a Tool fan at the end or but, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, you got to cut it off somewhere right in the middle before it gets to the end. I'm just kidding, guys. Don't get all angry. <laughs> oh fuck. All right, so you're doing something. It's too shut up. Yeah, I don't yeah. hate you. They can't. You know, you can't win really. No, because you can only do what you've done once on mm. some level, and eventually, if you try to change it all, you're going to have a fucking bunch of people going. No, he's not. That's not the guy he used to be. <laughs> yeah, because he's not 49 or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. He's not grown up and trying to have a life for himself. But uh, all right, so the type of music you're doing is is theatrical. And yeah, we, kind of punk rock, and yeah, we're having yeah. fun. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, there's a cool movement in Grand Rapids at that point in time. Uh, one of my favorite bands. I just had a friend of mine, Brian, uh, in Michigan, who put together this uh, collection of a band called Born Without a Face. Nice fusion band of like it kind of definitely like right in that like somewhere between Black Flag and Metallica mm-hmm. feel to it. 
And uh, they were a short-lived band because they had, you know, they were going through drummer problems, exploding drummers. I don't, um, yeah, bands. I, I have no yeah. idea how all that works. But it was but, a really solid, solid yeah. band. And I'm, you know, in fact, I listened to it in the car on the way here. Yeah, just because it's, it's such a nice trip down memory lane. But yeah. like, it was a solid amount of work that was going right. on in that town. So, and there's a little scene. There's several little clubs around the area, all the way to to North Muskegon, all the way up, to, you know, the, down to. So they were Grand regional Rapids. heroes. Yeah, yeah. It was a and they rocked a, hard. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And they kind of influence you. Yeah, absolutely. Like the bands like that, you know, there's several, several in the area that had some really interesting things to that they were doing. Um, but they were taking, they were taking hard rock and and sort of the beginning of metal and building something else. Yeah, they were like the they were the original. They were kind of like if you look back at the guys, or they were kind of like, no offense to these guys, but they were kind of the original hipster douchebags before right. before you would refer to people as hipster douchebags. But not they were but, like in a good way. Like they were like the guys who actually were like trying to you know. Just live a Bust simple life, yeah. right? Not like not putting on the simple life. And I'm just trying to figure out what arc, uh, where on the hipster arc are we talking? We're not talking like precious haircuts, precious haircuts, and and no. songwriting. We're, we're talking no. like uh, sort of uh, off the grid. Like we're fucking on, we're real shopping, deal artists. Shopping at Goodwill when Goodwill is actually Goodwill, right? And just out of necessity, and just being like kind of somewhere between Hesher. And just like simple living, right? Like right, simple right. living dudes that were yeah. like simple living dudes, right? But long hairs, yeah, yeah kind of yeah. long hairs, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. But but not like dumb, not affected. They were smart. They right. were going to go on to college. They were going to do sure. these things, and yeah. not from a huge like you know ex- extremely rich background. Just like just kind of kids right. who were just trying to find their way. Did you were, did you gravitate at all towards? I, I imagine it's, I mean it might be a little late already, but I mean was the the. Um, Husker Du and the and the replacements and were they around then or um, it just wasn't on I your think radar? It was right around the same because this was like this is eighty five right. to eighty eight right era so it's very like right in the middle of it all like right you, you know I'd already seen Black Flag and and Texas with Rollins in the, in the, yep uh, back in Texas in the army so I saw I saw that stuff happen but right as all that kind of was ending was when this was kind of happening so. On the heels of the breakup right. of Black Flag, I guess. So like Black Minor Flag Threat was already out. I think right. you know, we were almost on the way to Fugazi. Uh huh. You know? So Black Flag, as a guy in the army, must have been sort of like, oh, this is something. Yeah, that could happen. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah. he's got that. He's he's a very regimented dude. I don't know how Back he was. Then he had then. the hair. He had, he had long longer hair, hair but yeah. he was always pretty intense and seemed yeah. to take care of himself. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's. I had him in here. He's. Uh, you know. He can talk. He'll he'll chat you up for a bit. Yeah, yeah. He'll keep going. You actually have to you know turn him off eventually. You're like, All right, Henry. Okay, okay. Where's the knob? He's a good guy though. All right, so that. I like so, that guy. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he's a very earnest and uh, decent dude. Um, so then you started doing it, just singing. You never were a player. Or you uh, do play. I actually played a little bit of bass. Yeah, uh, not well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, then kind of went on to kind of doing a little bit of my own singing uh, in those bands. And then it was, Grand Rapids is a very, you know, as, you, as, we, as I got into it a little farther, it's a, it's a very cozy place to live. The rents are low. The families are kind of tight. So a lot of the guys didn't have that, you were talking about, that angst and drive, like that outlet. Yeah. I didn't have the running anymore. I was doing more of the, of the, of the screaming. And I kind of wanted, I had a drive, I wanted to do more of that. We also were, you know, stifling a lot of baggage from, you know, baptism and... Right. and uh, 
Yeah. So, but those guys didn't need to do it. The guys I was in bands with didn't need that. They were like living at home. They didn't care. They were like, okay. They, yeah, they were fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it yeah. looked a little bit like the kids from you know, the Columbine oh, yeah. thing. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, they yeah. were, you know, they were good kids and they were going to go on to do stuff that was, you know, stable, but very family. So they had, didn't have the same desire. So I, ga- I gave it up. I didn't want to do anything. After a while, I just like quit. I didn't want to do the music because my experience with like wanting to do it and then not having anybody around me that wanted to do it with me to go to the next level was kind of disappointing. So I kind of just stopped and I went to work in Boston in a pet store. Wait, so uh, in Boston? Yeah. Where? Uh, it used to be called uh, Boston Pet Center. It was down on First Street, down across from Leachmere. Oh, okay, over, over by Leachmere. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I used Because I had go, a relationship with a parrot uh, in Bobo. Boston, Alston. Alston, Alston, okay. There was a pet store, like they had this blue macaw. Yeah, it was, it was bo- probably a Bobo. Yeah? Bobo, the big blue macaw. Yeah. You know that parrot? Most likely it was the one that came from Boston Pet Center when I was there from 87 you, you, to You seriously know the parrot I'm talking Bobo, about? Bobo, yeah. Bobo the, the hyacinth macaw, yeah. But there's only like a handful of, the, of, the, of those hyacinth macaws in Boston, and the largest pet store in that area was on First Street in, in Cambridge. It was, this one was up in Coolidge Corner. Okay. And there was just, you walk in, that dude was there. Mm-hmm. And I'd go in there, and I'd hang out with that parrot. Yeah, I got to the point where that thing would flip over on its branch, and I would just put my hands out, and he would let go and fall into my hands on his back. So you spent a lot of time building a relationship with birds. Yes. All right, so you go from rock and roll. <laughs> Where is this going? <laughs> it's good. <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. Yeah, this, is, this is actually exciting to me. So here you are. You're fucking you know, filled with fury. You're singing your fucking guts out. And you got a bunch of dudes that are like, no, nah, we're going to hang out. And you're like, well, fuck it. So you end up going to Boston just to, to live a pet store dream. Why'd you end up in Boston? I had a friend from high school who had moved out there, had a good job. Uh, he worked at uh, this wine shop in the north end of Boston at Martinetti's. Yeah, uh, I know. I know Martinetti's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He used, yeah. He used to work there. Uh, so he turned me on to like wine and stuff, but I basically just kind of went out there to get out of Grand Rapids and to get away from that setting just to kind of like, I guess in a way, find myself and figure out what the fuck I wanted to do. So what was your job at the pet store? Cleaning up bird shit. That was it? Yeah. Basically. Eventually I ended up becoming the, the merchandising manager. I took over like all the, all the layout of how the store looked and all the ordering of uh, products and stuff, but that, but and that was short lived too. Did they have, what they, they had birds, they have other animals? Yeah, an insane uh, fish department. Like the saltwater fish department was um, pretty amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. Like those arowanas, or yeah, they, they had they yeah, the they big had, long fish. Yeah, they? they had all they had all the crazy stuff. Like people would come in for miles to get some of the saltwater fish that they had in that place. It was huge. It was like it was kind of like the size of twice the size of a pet land nowadays, but like with actual cool stuff right in it. Oh, like a privately owned, uh, you yep. know. So they they catered to unique mm-hmm. stuff. Monkeys? No monkeys. No monkeys. Dogs dogs but we ended up i was kind of like instrumental in having them stop that because they just were you know they puppy were getting, farms yeah they were getting from puppy farms so i kind of like was like we should probably stop this 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 doesn't feel right yeah and the birds they were legit though yeah they were all legit a lot of them were uh like hand raised hand farm like you know, u.s u.s born and raised uh-huh. and uh, reared uh-huh. out of the california area are you pretty are you a pretty animal guy used to be yeah 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 like yeah so you, you're handling parrots uh-huh and you're, you're building nice <laughs> things in the store for the pets. I had, a, I had a, an employee there. His name was, you know, coincidentally Mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful little queen that he mm-hmm. was. And uh, I came in one day and he was absolutely flustered. Yeah. 
And I was like, Mark, and this we kind of met. He's yeah. kind of feeling me out to see where I was going to go there. And he goes, What sexually? <laughs> well, not that, you <laughs> yeah. know, but uh, as, a, as a friend, just yeah. to see where I was and yeah. see if I had a similar sense of humor. Yeah. And he was like, I go, Mark, what's wrong? He's all flustered. And yeah. He goes, Some authorities came in and they were at, they said that they accused me of uh, uh, kissing parrots. I was like, why would they accuse you? That goes. I said, no, I wouldn't. Have, I, you know, I would never kiss a pair. Maybe a cockatoo. Oh. It's like, okay, I see where this is going. <laughs> he got you. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's like, and all the comedy that I've been involved in, like, I did like fully clotheslined me right in the, <laughs> yeah. you know, right in front Boom. of a bunch of customers. Yeah, he so. got you. Okay, was okay. there a big laugh? It was a big groan. Did you take yeah. it? You yeah. took it well. I, I took it well. All right. Went, uh, yeah. All right. So we better get to the fucking rock and roll. So, okay. like, at what point did you? Oh, but, I'm but, not avoiding the rock and roll. I'm no, just I telling know. you. No, it's all right. I think it's a good. We're laying a good bit of groundwork yeah. here. Yeah. So the you, you have this relationship with parrots, and um, you're in Boston. I'm, I'm just getting a picture. A younger Maynard mm-hmm. working with parrots. Your friend talks to you about wine, so that plants a seed somehow. Yeah. Is that where that seed got planted? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Martinelli's? Martinetti's, yeah. Martinetti's. You walk in and you're like, holy fuck, this is a whole world. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it was the weekend thing when he would be, well, you know, weekday in the summer at that point up on his roof, like grilling some food and opening a bottle of wine and kind of like, there's something to this, whatever this is. I, there's something that's really, really resonating with me on this kind of family ritual yeah. level of making food and drinking this wine oh really and also there i in my mind when i when i started to know more about you it seems that there's a there's also a sort of a a precision to it there's an art to it and there's like a it's a historical thing i mean making wine is as old as Hmm. anything right but maybe i was reading into that no yeah all right so then where does tool come in where does that first or the first band you were in uh i ended up uh moving out to LA because I had an opportunity to come out and do the similar kind of uh, layout and the stores. Pet stores. Like pet store mm-hmm. stuff so out in, and out in the LA area. So you were on the County. you were on the fast track to being a big pet store guy. Yeah. Okay. It was mostly because I could come in and kind of renovate the stores and kind of lay them out properly to you know and then, for example, like one of my one of my early yeah. uh, triumphs, whatever. Yeah. Uh, back then, I would make them put the all the larger dog food bags, all the dog food, kind of more the, toward the back of the store. Mm-hmm. And I got basically rep, like yelled at most of the time by yeah. the employees, like, "What are you doing? I got to carry this bag of dog food all the right. way to the front of the store." But now that's standard. You go into like any of the pet lands, it's like more toward the back because they want you to walk by all the toys, all yeah. the all the crap that you're going to pick so up. So you did that. Well, I was, you know, I'm sure there's a bunch of people doing it at the same time that were thinking in terms of like, how do I keep the person in the store longer? make them go back to the back of the store to get the thing they need right i would imagine that that nobody you know i'm not not saying i got a scoop here (laughs) (laughs) but i would imagine that most people are going back to the back to get that big bag of dog food Mm -hmm. and are walking back on fuck hey look at that chew bone right they're not giving you credit no you don't get credit for that you get shit for covering no quarter but no one's singing your praises right in the pet store community on the whole whole chew bone pickup yeah I invented the chew bone pickup. Yeah, that was me, man. The squeaky, the squeaky toy yeah, pickup. Yeah, yeah. I, I invented back, that. Back in the day, they weren't even going back there. They wouldn't have bought that fucking chew bone. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, that that world owes you a, a gratitude. It's, it's sort of a big thank you to to, yeah. to Maynard James. I won't be. Kingdom. I won't be looking for that check. Uh, yeah. All right. So, okay. So you come to LA. What are we looking at? It's ninety what one. Uh, two? I moved here in the at the end of eighty nine, December eighty nine. 
Okay. And then uh, started working in pet stores here, and those people quickly realized that they were overpaying me, and I got fired like about five and a half months in. Because you were you were the East Coast guy. This guy's yeah. got vision. East Coast came out to help them with their stuff, and to, and you know, and as you know, like most businesses, it's like it, you can't just like overpay this guy to come in and just do this thing. There's other things you have to do. You have to let people know to come in. You have to do some kind of programs. You have to like, you know, mm-hmm. advertise stuff. Yeah. They, weren't, they weren't really willing to train their staff to really understand what I just did. Right. Uh, all that. So I kind of like, I was looked at as like this is just an expense we can't. We yeah. can't afford. So. This guy with the attitude. Yeah. The moving the bags around. Yeah. Who's he? <laughs> yeah. Let's get him out of here. All right. So then what happens? Uh, got fired. Yeah. Uh, lost my car, my apartment, my dog. See, now this is, uh, what happened to the dog? Got got out of the backyard and got lost somewhere. Where were you and, living? Uh, I was living in Hollywood, but I dropped the dog off in the valley so yeah. I could go look apply for jobs. And I got out of the, my friend's backyard and then never saw it again. That's fucking heartbreaking. How yeah. long had you had that dog? Uh, long enough. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was an awesome little dog. Ugh, fuck. Did, you still friends with that guy? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. It wasn't his fault. It was, okay. It was the fence. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So so you're out there. Your dog's lost in the valley. You got, How'd you lose your car? Uh, it was owned by the pet store people. It was a loner. So the car's gone. Car's gone. Your apartment's gone. The apartment's gone. Girlfriend moved out. Really? Yeah. So this is this is the perfect Hollywood story. So you got yeah. nothing. Yeah, I got nothing. Your dad's like, I'm not giving you money. Yeah. Yeah. No way. <laughs> so he was a teacher. What yeah. money? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then what happens? Uh, just started. You know, I was going around with friends. There were you know, some. You know, it's at Hollywood, so there's like a lot of bands and clubs. Sure. And in '89, that was uh, '90. Yeah, in '90, now we're '90, so you got so all this, well, hair metal's over. So it's yeah, starting it was to just change. that. Like, yeah. you know, it went and literally overnight. Like the December '89, walking through like ankle deep in flyers on Sunset Boulevard to like, yeah. you know, like August of of '90, gone. Yeah, gone. All that shit's over. Yep. The Roxy's yep. finished. Yeah. The Rainbow is changing. Well, the mm-hmm. Rainbow is probably just you know, it was still there. Yeah. Uh, whiskey was still there. There was still the pay to play thing kind of going on a little bit. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, so that, that that ended up translating into me like hanging out with my friends, yeah. watching bands play, you know, cynical, bitter. And again, I'm coming from a background of like, uh, I'm I'm looking at this stuff practically. Yeah, like, you know, when I'm looking at a pet store and <laughs> yeah. as a put the know, bags in the back for like what you're doing up there, in a way. Uh, this is you know, but I guess beliefs in a way like uh people that are godless in some way, if they don't have some kind of belief, for lack of a better term, if you don't believe in magic on some level, your art probably sucks. Yep. Then you got to believe in some kind of magic. Some, you know, I don't mean if it's God or whatever, whatever you're into. Like if you don't have, if you're not inspired by, if your heart isn't lifted by some supernatural thing that you've witnessed or you believe in, yeah. real or not, right? You're, you're, you know, you're probably... You're probably going to be focusing on your looks, your, you know, money. Right. You know, there's going to be something you're focusing on that has no heart. Right. You're you're going to be hanging your your hopes and ambitions on material things right. and, and just getting them. So I would go to these clubs and yeah. I would see these bands playing mm-hmm. that just seemed they are all focusing on the wrong shit. There, the, there was no heart. There was like, no which, soul. Do you remember the bands? No, oh, I can't do that to them. There's probably there's probably still around like fighting for their lives. Okay. 
but you know they're pretty. They're awful. looking. They're just like. But you're talking. You know about, who you are. <laughs> <laughs> but you're talking about the standard sort of like I'm going to make it. Yeah, we're here to, show business. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're here to make a million bucks. Yeah, we've got some. We've got some A uh, and R guys coming down. They're yeah, yeah. Check us out and let's. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll try to look like Play the game, be- right. Look somewhere. somewhere between the Chili Peppers meets Nirvana meets Metallica. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, funny hats and right. stupid shit. And no identity of their own. No songs. Yeah. No heart, no songs. Costumes. Sure. And you felt that. Yeah, totally. And, and you I'm, were like, fuck this. And I'm the guy, I'm the drunk guy at the back of the room going, this fucking sucks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And somebody like, enough time, I said that out loud enough times that somebody went, okay, smart fucker, yeah. you try it. Right. You think you can do better. Right. And I went, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was right around the end of 1990. And by 91, we had a record deal and Tool was on its way. Right. So who, how'd you meet up with those guys? Uh, the ex that moved out, uh, she introduced me to both Adam Jones and Tom Morello. Uh, so they were and those you know, high school buddies from Illinois. Right. Uh, so I ended up meeting them first. And then I think, you know, Adam had heard some stuff that I did in Grand Rapids. And he's like we should do a band and I'm like fuck that bands suck you know I don't want to do that I, yeah, yeah. unless we're all in I don't want to know about it all um, in that was important yeah, yeah all in or not so you know if I'm, you know, I don't want to show up to a practice and have you guys oh yeah so and so is hung over they didn't come yeah. or like uh, yeah. I'm doing laundry I can't yeah. I can't take that we're going to do this or we're not going to do it because you're the front man I mean you if you're going to have a band they have to you know you got your thing right. so like how do we drive this thing right we got to do it. Either we're going to do it or we're not going to do it. So, so you found if we're not going to do it, I'll go do other things. So Right. So, you know, but he was like going, let's do this thing. And you go do other things, stand in the back of bars going, these guys suck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he finally convinced me because I got that challenge by some anonymous, you know, prick nudging me like my yeah. Irish Italian flare up. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 The fuck you. Yeah, I will. Yeah. 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 And that was it. Yeah. And you started laying down tracks. Yeah, we just you know, we're just playing around, just going okay. I, it was mainly just because of the challenge. Like, okay, I'll show you how to do this better. I don't necessarily want to do this all my life. But you but got I'll, a hell of a band there, but right? I'll show, yeah, but I didn't know. I mean, we're just like I just wanted to do things right. Right. I, I wanted to come from the place where we're doing it right, so you can go here. Here's how you do it. Now right. you go do it. Right. What I got to keep doing it? No, 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 no. You do it. I want. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I want to go over here. I, I want to do this other thing. I was here to teach you a lesson. I was just yeah. here. Yeah. I don't want to do this. This is so, like insane. No, me. I don't want to sign your tit. <laughs> Fuck. Go. Oh, wait, wait, away. I'm here to make a point. <laughs> Just here to make yeah. a point. About passion. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So the first Tool album was basically a fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> to whatever was going on. Yeah. And and that was exactly, apparently, what everyone needed. Apparently. Yeah, because yeah. people were like, who the fuck are these guys? Right. And you set a standard. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, you know, That's a what standard, you wanted to a do. A standard in our own little you know, terrarium, yeah. But it was on your own terms, and you were reacting Yes. Towards where music was going. It was like in that weird, you know, post hair metal fucking, you know, confused area. Yeah. Because it was like, I mean, grunge hadn't really started yet or it was just starting. We were on the, we were on the heels of that. Oh, really? Is yeah. That, because that, cause that was kind of going. That's, right. that's why we that's got right. signed is because nobody in that in the music industry understood what was happening. So they were just signing anything. Right. They weren't sure. They so, didn't cause know. Like, oh, I guess like what? So Nirvana Nevermind was like 89 or 90, something yeah. like that. Yeah. 
So that was all, and Pearl Jam was doing their thing. And so they had found, they they thought they hit some fucking gold up there. Right. And they tapped that out. And LA was still sort of like re- recovering from hair metal. Right. And then you kind of filled that gap mm-hmm. with Rage Against the Machine and some other, who were the other bands around? Uh, at that time in LA, you had some pretty furious stuff that was going on in LA. Uh, Dumpster was a band that was around, running yeah. around. Uh, but, you know, Helmet was out of another area, but... You know, the, those those are the bands that are kind of Paige you know, Hamilton. Yeah, those that was a kind of in the wake of of all that. Like you know, we were kind of coming up, and yeah, Rage, uh, Tool, um, Dead White and Blue. You know, there's there's a couple of good bands that were running around. What would you time. call it? Would yeah, I mean, I know you've probably been framed, but you were just playing rock. Yeah, we were just like rock. I guess it was like you know, I guess we were. We weren't really considered grunge because we didn't have the costumes, right? No, but right. you guys were, you know, but it's articulated. Flannel's all itchy, no? Yeah, but the music was different. I mean, there, you know, the the sort of attention paid to, uh, you know, I, I don't know. The, the grunge thing was, was a little loose. And, you know, if you listen, like, I don't even know if Pearl Jam was really grunge. And I don't think so. Because when I heard the first Pearl Jam album, I'm like, oh, Bad Company's back. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, this guy can sing like Paul Rogers, but better. But and then Nirvana was doing another thing, but it didn't. It wasn't holding together. This there was a looseness to it. But you right. guys were always pretty fucking on fucking top of it. Yeah. Were you? Uh, do you know Claypool? A little bit. Because yeah. it, like he seems kind of anal about shit too. I mean, I know there's a lot of dudes that are that are. But it just seemed to me that the shit was orchestrated. It was tight as fuck. Right. It had momentum. It right. had drive, and the lyrics were just searing into the fucking hearts and minds of junior high school kids everywhere. Right. That was the plan. I know. I like, again, no. It was just like, here's how. Here's here's your 101 of how to do this properly. Well, when then, you talk yeah. about the magic, mm-hmm. I mean, because you, you know, like I'm I'm late to come around to you. Like even when I had friends, when you were hanging around with comedians, mm-hmm. and you know, I know you were a Hicks fan, and I know people loved you. Like I couldn't connect with the music. It's just not the way I was built at the time. Right. Not you, but you know, I wasn't a metal guy. Right. And uh, so, it, you know, when Dave Cross and people like Posehn and you know, these people were like, you got to do you got to do the tool. He hangs out here. I'm like, I'm trying. And I listen to it. And I'm like, this shit is tight and it's great. You, you know, but I'm like, it's too big for me. But uh, I knew that the impact was there. Hmm. So when you talk about magic and you talk about, you know, beliefs, what were you talking about? Because, uh, you know, people who've seen you like I've got, my, my chick has, has seen you a few times. And she's like, oh, my God, Maynard's coming. So uh, so there was that. <laughs> no, I'm not signing her tip. <laughs> really? Fuck. Come I got to call her because she's coming over. Uh, <laughs> Put those away, honey. Yeah. But uh, what, <laughs> you're going to see my signatures there, so you're going to have right. to fight with that. Yeah. Which which one? Yeah. Uh, what what was it the magic? What were you drawing from? I mean, when you say something like that, that, you know, whether you, you, if you don't have God, and I believe this is true, that there's a fundamental thing in all people that sort of, you got to feel something part of something. Mm-hmm. What was it for you i just think in general just like just life in general there's like there's a lot of good good inspirational friction all around you so if you just tap into the the core of whatever that is whatever's happening and trying to drive you psychologically uh that's part of that's kind of a that's kind of a beginning space yeah uh and then you just kind of build on some of that you know yeah. just that that juxtaposition but also like friction right but also is the first album you're talking about opiate mm-hmm yeah. So that album was there. You know, you were very. You, you were sort of cutting some sort of path for yourself in this sort of. You know, you know, fuck God, fuck you know, fuck your order, fuck you know. There was definitely that mm-hmm. that element to it where you were like, you know, wake up, 
you know you're right. you're you're being easily led and you're being uh and you're 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 living in a hypocrisy and that became sort of a through line that in sort of you know provocative filthy shit right where, where yeah. you're like, yeah. you gotta add the butterfuck song in there sure somewhere. yeah like i mean the fact that when i talked to my buddy brendan he was like when that the fisting song came out i'm like what do you mean fisting they, they were, their big hit was about fisting <laughs> Actually, like, no. Actually, it was, but it wasn't. Uh, it was about uh, completely losing touch with just being over, just needing to have so much stimulation. You've lost touch with how much stimulation you need to be stimulated. The, right. Right. I, I mean, I, yeah. The lyrics yeah. definitely. Speak the fisting to that. was the joke part. The fisting was the throwaway joke part. But the you know the actual meat of something like that, that was about like. Guys, you need to get back in the field and start digging some holes or yeah, shoveling some snow. Take your arm out yeah. of that guy's ass. Yeah, and go and shovel some snow. <laughs> Wash your hand first because I don't really want to pick up a shovel with shit all over it. Right, and I get the message of that. But he was like, "That you don't understand, man. That was like that, that was on regular radio." And I'm like, well, "How did I, you know?" And so now I got to go really sort of assess the. <laughs> now I got to go look up the shit, <laughs> butt fuck song. <laughs> and also, I was told that because I, I don't want to assume that I know more than I do. That as a performer, you you were sometimes wary to take front and center. Yeah. Why is that? I just uh, I just felt like it was as a as an organism, it works better uh, in that instance with the with the kind of um, I guess just the vibe of it. Right. There's a there's a flavor to it that doesn't that doesn't really make uh, any sense to have a single thing in front. Yeah. But you were a front man of a rock band. Yeah, I guess, but you know, I, th- I kind of always thought of it as like almost like a theater troupe. You know, where there's like there's four actors or not actors, but you know, like four performers, kind of uh, looking for a specific goal. Again, uh-huh. and it might be the military background, right? Like, you know, so and, you were and, a team and, and, spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all you guys still team a, four, right? And you and you had an understanding of that. You, you, you and the dudes, you were like, "This is what well, we, we do." Just, it's just, it's just, it just wasn't it wasn't even an understanding. It was just what we did. It wasn't that calculated. No, no, <laughs> it just wasn't. I think it just ended up being. That's kind of where I was. Where am I comfortable here? So the it, so after opiate, you, Undertow was a big record. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Which was the like, and then the the third one, Anima, is it pronounced? Mm-hmm. That was the huge record. Yeah. And that was the one that you did and dedicated to Bill. Yes. And what was your like? How does Hicks integrate into to where you're coming from? What 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 was it about Bill? I mean, I know what it was, you know, ideologically yeah, and, and creative wise. Yeah, creative wise. I think for for me, like just that most people. I mean, one of my. When did you first see him? Did you know him? Uh, somebody gave us gave us the cassette ages ago, and it was uh it was uh before. I think we actually thanked him or mentioned him on Undertow in the thank yous. Uh-huh. But he wasn't actually dedicated until Anima. We actually put the piece in, and that's after he passed well, see, away. Right, so he was still alive. Uh, yeah, he 90, was... 94 is when he died. So like, he had a thank you on the 93, 92 right. album. And just because you were listening to his shit in the van, yeah. that and kind it, of and thing. It, and the thing about that, I mean, you know, uh, jumping around a little bit, yeah. uh, that movie Shakes the Clown. Goldthwaite's th- movie, yeah. I think that was like a fantastic metaphor for like that fight for the comedians trying to get the Tonight Show, like right. that that whole metaphor of like right. dealing with all that, hoping that you're going to be Johnny Carson someday, right. being chosen for that position, right? Uh, and Hicks just wasn't interested in that. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't a part of that. He just want. I want to do stand up. That's what I do. 
that's it for me that was the end all be all and you can see that passion is like no i'm going to develop this art i'm going to take this art as far as i can take it in this forum i'm not interested in using this as a stepping stone to get somewhere else which is exactly how you felt when you were watching those the 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 wave crash of the hair metal band yeah yeah, yeah. you're you you missed the you missed the whole boat so there's only going to be one carson how the how are you going to manage that? And why is that the end all be all? You know, I what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, Hicks that, was definitely. That doesn't seem like a fun thing to get into, right? So the sort of the the rebel spirit and the you know the sort of individual vision thing, mm-hmm. and and also he was great. I yeah. mean, his yeah. jokes were great, and uh, it was a horrible thing when he died, because that picture, the picture you have on the Anima record or, uh, that was inside of it. I mean, that was that was a that was one of the he was sick then, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, I, I know that picture. Yeah, because he was thin, and you know, yep. and he was, you know, and that was that was taken from a photo when he played down south here, like uh-huh. in at uh, at Igby's. Yeah, it was one. That was the last show, yep. right? I was there. You were there. Yeah, when he was kind of bloated, and yeah, and had you were you there as a friend? You knew him at that point, or I knew. Yeah, I knew him. Uh, it was weird. We had this weird, you know, I'm gonna call it psychic because I'm not really a hippie, but we had a little bit of a connection. So I remember having a awful dream uh at like some kind of motel two yeah. level motel and on uh, the road yeah i was i was i was I think it was out somewhere yeah yeah and uh and i kind of knew his uh one of his managers uh colleen and colleen uh, mcgar yeah yeah and duncan uh, duncan yeah. i call i i uh i called him the next morning because i had this weird dream it was all these friends of ours and we're at a motel and everybody's like kind of walking through that breezeway between both sides yeah. and like up and down the stairs. All of everybody's crying. Yeah. And Bill's not there. Right. So I called Colleen or Duncan the next morning and I said, I had this fucked up dream. Yeah. How is Bill okay? Yeah. And Duncan was like, I can't talk about it. Really? I was like, whoa. And so like then, you know, a couple months, like a month or so later, he said, yeah, he's sick. Yeah. He's sick. And yeah. it's not good. And. And then when did you meet him? Uh, he came out to uh, Lollapalooza in 93 uh, out here in L.A., mm-hmm. outside, outside of town. Yeah. Uh, and actually did a thing, did a thing on our stage at that, at that show. Oh, yeah? What did he yeah. do? Introduced us, basically. Did he do any bits? A little bit. Yeah? How did it go over? Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's Lollapalooza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. Didn't go. I, so did I, you, I laughed. Yeah. Did you spend time <laughs> with him? Uh, not a lot. A lot of phone conversations. We had a we had a little we had a little love affair on the phone. Uh-huh. Talked a lot. We were going to basically put together a tour because it was still when the band was young and and still kind of up and coming before Anima. Yeah, after way LBA. before. Yeah. yeah. So it was we were still at that level that we could probably pull something like that off. Because he always wanted to. You know, he he was pretty insistent on uh, some of that music stuff. <laughs> God bless him. <laughs> yeah. We'll just we'll just gloss over that. <laughs> I actually played guitar with him once. <laughs> How'd that uh, go? It was it, it, it was interesting because um, it must have been '89, and uh, you know he was living in New York briefly, and, mm-hmm. and I was about you know maybe a year or two into being a comic, really. And I had moved to New York in, around that time, and you know I knew of Bill, and you know it was hard not to know of Bill. Uh, but he was hanging around, you know. I remember he was at the Improv, and you know, he was just—he wasn't sure why he was in New York because he really couldn't get over there. You know, you, you, you know, they didn't quite understand. Well, I mean, America in general right. couldn't understand the, the like. Literally, the reaction was like, "Why is he so angry?" <laughs> well, that's what he does. Yeah. <laughs> they, like, but the New Yorkers are like, "Why can't he?" J-? We're all angry, you know. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 Hello, you're in New York, right? 
<laughs> but but he was there and he had a little apartment you know up by Times Square and I'm like well what are you doing man and it's like well I play guitar you want to play guitar he's like I don't really do other people <laughs> you know I don't hang around I don't <laughs> I'm like come on we'll just hang out and play I just remember going over there and it was he was nervous because he really didn't hang out with anybody right and and you can tell by his guitar playing that you know he's very you know he's a noodler you know All right. So I was trying to get a groove going, and Bill's just like, "What are you going off on his own thing?" And we did it for a couple hours, and I'm glad we did it. All but right. uh, but it was very specific. He, you know, <laughs> doesn't play well with others. Exactly, yeah. you know. And it, but but that was interesting. That would have been interesting had you talked about what you might have done, or was it just a you know, like he'd do comedy, you do music? We or? would. We were trying to figure out what we were going to do. We were yeah. trying to figure out how we would work that into where it somehow would be accepted in that in that form, and you know. Even then, we were hard. We were. It was hard time for us to could be accepted in that form because you know, we would play somewhere and you'd have these, you know, moshing skinhead dudes going play faster, you know, and be like, listen slower or something. Right, right. I don't know. I don't. I don't really know. This is what we're doing. You came here. I don't know. You right. came to see us. I'm not sure what I'm. Why I'm supposed to like. Right. Give you what you want. I'm here. To well, that's do this sort thing. of the 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 ongoing struggle of the of the uh, harder. Yeah, you know, when you're doing that type of music right. you're going to be up against some pretty thick heads yeah that may not but it seems a lot of people resonated emotionally with what you were doing right and that that's really what bought, brought you your core following so we figured we figured if we had if we were early enough on and yeah. bill and i discussed this if we were it was early enough on in our career where we think we could at least weed out the people that didn't want to see that right you know somehow you know resonate that on some level and and uh and it just then all of a sudden it was just like then I had that dream and it was like we're that gonna, was it yeah, he's sick yeah we can't do it well we were we were gonna do it uh huh did you go to the funeral no yeah and uh, when you when you gave him where you sampled that that stuff on on Anima that was a, that was a tribute mm -hmm. and that, yeah it was a sad bit of business and when did you sort of kind of integrate yourself into the uh, the L A comedy community with Mister Show and those guys. That was right when I was moving to Arizona. I moved to Arizona right around the end of 95. Yeah. And I was kind of introduced to that circle right around 90. Who pulled and, you and, in? Uh, my old roommate, uh, Gary Helsinger. Uh -huh. I will give Gary a prop now. Uh -huh. He's going to be so delighted to hear his name on a podcast. Yeah. If he even knows how to operate a computer. <laughs> Um, and you and, and what, how did you, like, were he, they all fans? He took me over to uh, uh, Luna Park. Luna Lounge, yeah, or Luna Park, right, yeah, right, Beth yeah. Lapita's show. Yeah, okay. Uh, there, and uh, of course, then I got involved. That's where I met some of those guys and uh, got involved with Laura mm -hmm. Milligan. Milligan over at the... Uh, um, Who's on the cover of the yes. Pussifer album. Yes. Which, when I got that record, I'm like, is this a comedy record? I know Laura. <laughs> Literally, it got sent to me by a fan. Not you didn't, you didn't send it to me. I got it, you sent me one too. And I'm like, what is this fucking record? And finally, I'm like, all right. I'll put it on. I'm like, holy shit! What is? It? And it's like, oh, it's fucking Maynard's. All right. Yeah. That happened in reality. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So you she met had, Laura. She had tantrum. Mm -hmm. with her club over right. there on uh, at the Diamond Club on Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And you know, some nights Tenacious D would close her show. Yeah. Some nights I would close her show as like her fictitious boyfriend who was supposed to close the show but never did. Like he was. Right. Now he's coming down and he's kind of a metal dude. And it was like kind of in the wake of that whole end of Sunset Strip thing. So her boyfriend Vince was kind of a hairband metal douche. 
but he's always trying to reinvent himself. So like this week he was like a dead or alive kind of band. Oh, or right, next right, week right. he was like, I'm I'm grunge now. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're punk rock. And like, that was you. Yeah, we yeah, were. That's uh, and that was kind of the original versions of Pussifer was like just putting on these different uh-huh. know, things. A core a core guy trying to be all these different people. Right, right. Did you find that that was a reality for you, like in terms of your stage persona? I mean, were you? It was fun, but I mean, as 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 tool, I mean, did you find yourself kind of dealing with that the identity thing? Yeah, I think you know most most guys used to you know famous actors or whatever they say it's it's a lot it's it ends up helping them when they put on the costume because they can kind of become the other thing you take yeah. yourself outside of yourself right and it's almost easier to open up and do things right so that's what you know for me that was always performing with with, with whatever band even with perfect circle putting on the you know the the mop you know right. the, the cousin itwig you know to just kind of hide behind that really helped because you could speak differently yeah. or you could yeah. that's interesting yeah. and it, because like you look at pictures of you over the years you're like well, does this guy even know who he is no <laughs> no idea look at my id <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was I, I was I didn't know whether I, sh- I was going to be scared of you or not. <sighs> Nothing to be scared of. So you did some stuff with uh, Mr. Shaw. You were in uh, you were in the uh, the famous um, why run Ronnie run yeah. the Ronnie Dobbs thing the Ronnie Dobbs sequence in the actual series and we did a little song with Brian Pussain in the in the uh, in the movie. Yeah, are you friends with Pussain? Yeah, I, well, I haven't talked to him in a long time, but yeah, he's doing good, man. Yeah, he's off the weed. He's a daddy. Is he? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Do you drink? Uh, I drink wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess you would have to. Yeah, but I don't. I don't do any of the weed stuff or any of that. I can't. I think uh, I. I put my time in in college. Wasn't one of your records sort of like driven by like recovery language or no? Uh, Perfect Circle. Yeah, uh, we had the we had the thirteen, oh, 13 step. 13 That's right, step. right, right, right. Yeah, there are lots of good inside jokes in that one. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, mean, I had a lot of friends who were in the program, so like we had all. I inserted a bunch of good stuff. So if you were like in the program, you, you get it. all the stuff. You listen to some songs. Like, oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. I know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> the only only people in the program know what the thirteen step is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not suggested, <laughs> but <laughs> no. but it always happens. Highly discouraged. Yeah, and often occurs. Okay. Yeah. So all right. So I guess we should go ahead and deal with the wine thing now. I mean, I, I, you know, I, <laughs> let's, let's, okay. come, let's come full circle. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Because the, you've got the, the, what, there's an EP, a Pussifer EP, e, and there's what, three records or two records? Uh, there's two full length and two EPs. And, the, and, the, and a remix one. Right. And the idea of that was that, you know, with whatever downtime you have, you're just taking liberties to do what the fuck you want. Yeah. And 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 loosen it up and 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 just explore what you want to do. Bohemian Rhapsody is one of those things. Yeah, that's one of those. I mean, because we have a studio set up, so it's fairly easy to go in and kind of just do some things when we have some stuff prepared to to work on. And you enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Do you? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's a uh, um, kind of coming from the kind of rock uh, live band, uh, no click track, kind of like you know very live music right. background with with Tool. And then a little more structured, kind of emotional version of that for Perfect Circle. Uh, still live music for the most part. Yeah. Uh, I kind of like the idea of blending the the more programmed technical uh, Well, that's what I was going to say. I don't want to be... More, not... more electronic. Right. Uh, I don't want to be rude, but like it's, yeah. it seems like it's yeah. danceable. 
Yeah, well, electronic <laughs> stuff and and but melding it with I mean cuz you know every day you know you're 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 part of the clock, you know, the yeah. seasons the seasons the earth in, in general is a big clock and yeah. you are, and you are walk, you are walking to a click track whether you like it or not. Sure. So the beauty of like working with some of that more what you would for most people would be a confined space of a click track of a set rhythm you can find your humanity in that you can kind of bend around some of those clicks uh-huh. and make that and make that clock feel more human and that's to me is the challenge with that project is to is to work with the digital world and breathe a breath of life and vibrancy into that what would normally be a stiff format i can hear that because like the first the after you know filling my head with tool for hours mm-hmm. and then going to uh Pussifer, there's a moment where you're sort of like, hey, I'm gonna, I could kind of dance to this. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, I don't want to call it getting your underwear. And sure, man. I mean, yeah, well, well, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely a harder dance. <laughs> yeah, you, you know. <laughs> but there's so wear you know sensible underwear, right? But there's a different groove, right? Yes, I mean, absolutely. And uh, do you, are you friends with Reznor? Oh, I mean, you know, we've met. Yeah. yeah. Oh, because he like you know that that seems to be something he enjoys fucking machines and yeah. whatnot. <laughs> yeah. yeah he's, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He's and, a master of that. Yeah. Um, all right. So the when you when you left for Arizona and you you had the the vision of the vineyard, mm-hmm. was that a like a, was this a business decision or a passion? Uh, I just kind of wanted to. I felt like I would. Li- I've lived in L.A. long enough that I felt like I was losing touch with. Uh, those core things that that uh, I, I built my life on, which was snow shoveling. Yeah, just connecting and, with yeah. that, that process right. of uh, earth and right. and growing and right. uh, you know putting time in. And mm-hmm. I feel like in LA, there's there's you know the large the majority of the population are not really sure where their water or food come from. Right. Uh, kind of losing, yeah. You know, I think you kind of start to lose touch with some of that. You start, like I mentioned earlier, that belief system. You start really focusing on your looks or your power or your money, or and if, you know, as soon as you start focusing on those things, you're never going to have enough of any of those. You're always going to feel older and fatter than you were the day before. Mm-hmm. Like this, you kind of lose touch with those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't really have time for that when you're actually working in a field or mm-hmm. you know, getting up when the sun comes up to do a thing. Because if you don't get up when the sun comes up, you lose the sun by the time. You're not done with your job by the time the sun goes down. So right. kind of tuning yourself to that, I felt like I had to get out of L.A. because I felt like the music was going to suffer if I didn't. So you literally needed to ground yourself on a, with the ground. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quite literally. Had right. I had to get out and be able to see the sky. Right. And understand where the water came from. Right. And and you built out the vineyards. How long did it take to get you? Uh, uh, what was this apprenticeship you did? First of all, did you do it? In I just Italy worked in a, no. I just worked in a custom cross facility. Uh, just kind of working as basically an intern, an unpaid intern, Where? just like uh, in Arizona. Uh, and then ended up once I kind of got my feet wet and kind of understood some of the basic processes, the one on ones of it. I immediately called on a bunch of my friends that that I met, you know, around the world who are winemakers, world class winemakers, and I would call on them and go, "Okay, now I have specific questions now that I've actually done this." And you'd already talked to them at some yeah, point. Yeah, we were already already friends with them. So from okay, traveling, like traveling, you, you yeah. would seek these people out when you were touring with Tool. Yeah, because you were you had the bug. You were like, yeah. I'm, "I'm going to make yeah. a vineyard somewhere." Yeah, so I'm going know, to be a being able maker. to reach out to. Um, to Peter Gago, who's the head winemaker at Penfolds, finally mm-hmm. establishing a relationship with him, uh, a couple a couple winemakers in California, uh, and um, you just end up you end up having that 
that uh, knowledge base you can bounce right. off, the, bounce the questions off of from people mm-hmm. who've actually done it. Now that I've actually met a few guys in Italy, yeah, same thing. You go, I, you know, whenever I have a question, I, I, you know, send out an email to each one with a very specific set of parameters. And yeah, of course, setting up like. My grapes, my soil, my weather is not like yours, but here's here's the scenario that I'm looking for, right? And I usually get some good feedback. And that. so you're like, are there how many wine vineyards are there in Arizona? There's quite a few vineyards. Uh, there's fewer uh, fewer actual well, probably even number of wineries uh, compared to that. But you do both. Yeah, I have vineyards and I have a, my own winery. Yeah. Now, when you so once you got your your education in place and you understood soils and grapes and 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 everything else, was there, I guess, uh, was there a specific type of grape you were looking to get? That seems to be the the racket, right? Is that what's the best grape that? Yeah, can perform and, and we're here? still, you know, we're starting to kind of narrow that down as a as a as a winemaking community in Arizona, but. Uh, you know, I suspect that we're going to do okay with Syrahs and 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 kind of Southern Rhone grapes, but why? I suspect because more they so, grow better there. Well, I think more so the Italian and Spanish varietals. So like your Sangioveses, your yeah. your Tempranillos from Spain, your uh-huh. your Barberas, uh, um, Nebbiolos. I think that stuff just because the soil, the weather, everything about it kind of lends itself to those grapes. So I think you'll see. In the next like, 10, 15 years, you'll see uh, a lot of that stuff coming out of Arizona with some some recognition, like people going, "No, no, this is this is for real." And you're going to be at the you're sort of going to be a, a pioneer there. I wouldn't call myself a pioneer. I think that, I think there's a lot of guys that are doing stuff there. Just it's one of those almost like that kind of hundred monkey theory. All of a sudden, there's a bunch of people that decided. I think now's the time. Like intuitively, you kind of like it all resonated at the same time. So all of a sudden, that tide started rising there all over the state. So I definitely have the I'm the biggest mouth yeah. for sure because I have a I have a platform that I can stand on and shout from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, there's there's a bunch of people that have been doing it for a while. And there. how many different uh, wines do you do a year? Like, I mean, uh, I have roughly uh, twenty different wines that and, I'm doing. And the primary difference in each is time and grapes. Yeah, uh, where the why the where the grapes are from, like what block they're from, and just kind of how I'm putting them together for a blend. Uh huh. And you're sort of hands-on all the time with this. Yeah, my wife runs the lab. I make the wine, and uh, we have a very large gentleman named Derek who cleans up after me. So it's three a three-person operation. Uh huh. Not counting, of course, my vineyard manager. And what's the vineyard called? Uh, Caduceus Cellars and Merkin Vineyards. Merkin Vineyards. Yeah. Yeah. I, I figured you were fishing for that one. <laughs> I, I I just recently learned what a Merkin was. There you go. Yeah, it takes me a while to to, <laughs> to get onto. Any my girlfriend had to tell me after yeah. we saw a movie. She said, "There's yeah. a lot of Merkins in that movie." I'm like, "What the yeah. fuck is a Merkin?" See, I, I had to go into winemaking and music because I think I'm way more clever than I am. So you know, like I'm not really funny. I'm not. I'm not. I couldn't really make it as a comedian because I'm not. I, I would. I laugh at my own jokes, which aren't funny. And you know, I'd make dumb puns like pun like lowest on the food chain for jokes like but, but, Merkin you yeah know? but no but Come I think on. it's it's pretty but I think it's interesting the way you know especially with your your love of comedy and your understanding of Bill Hicks is that you, you know w- what you did in sort of a clever way whatever you think you might lack in wit that the the power of the message you were putting through you knew had to be tempered by something mm-hmm. that you, you know and when you did sort of attach satire to it you know by doing the fisting song or by you know donkey punch the night away like <laughs> I mean it made 
may be base, but you know what it's pushing through is is some real heartfelt shit. Yeah, and there's a balance to that you don't want to be too clever. No, because then you know everyone thinks clever is right on the edge of annoying. That's exactly right. Yeah. So like you know like the the crass element of satire is fucking important, man. Yeah. I mean that's how you punch the big things through. Right. Donkey punch them through. <laughs> Right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the future of Tool? Uh, I'm going to stop by the rehearsal space today, Uh in theory, having Uh beaten them up, going, please give me music, please give me music, please give me music, please give me music. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, in theory, they have a CD for me today to like look, listen to some jams so we can get this thing going. Okay. Uh, You got words? Not not till I hear this. Not till I hear the sounds. Is that how it works? Yeah, I can't. I gotta. We gotta hear the sounds, and I can't write words till I hear the sounds, and I haven't heard the sounds. That's your process, though. You don't. You don't ever just sort of like, oh, I got an idea for a lyric. You just you gotta listen to the music. Gotta and listen then... to the sounds and go from the sounds. That's good to know. Yeah. Thanks, Maynard. No problem. Well, that's it. That's the show. Very nice guy, and a very smart guy. And, uh, and, you know, and a, a diplomatic dude, man. I, I enjoy talking to him, man. I still am listening to Tool. I will let you know that. That's where I'm at. I'm trying to have it. I'm trying to have that same experience that I, I would have had if I had just fucking been a little younger. A little younger. As I said before, I'm going to be in uh, Denver this weekend. Go to WTFPod.com. Check the uh, calendar if you want to know my dates. Check the... Uh, the episode guide, if you want to know who's been on the show, get the app. Get the free app and then decide for yourself whether you want to upgrade and listen to have the opportunity to listen to all of the shows. All 400 and some odd shows. I will be getting more ceramic mugs. Go to justcoffee.coop. Get the WTF blend. I got a little off of that. Do what you got to do. I, I'll talk about Breaking Bad eventually. I've had to do some of these shows ahead of time and, and uh, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. But of course I fucking love it. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Boomer lives! <laughs>